Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and today we continue our fantasy final series with a look at Zach Wilson, Jets hopeful savior, BYU baller. This guy rose up draft boards. I would not blame you if you did not know who he was this time 12 months ago. Now we do. He is the man tasked with bringing the Jets back to the promised land, at least maybe being a somewhat relevant team in the NFL would at least be a good first step. So let's go through what exactly makes Wilson what and what we should kind of think of him as a fantasy asset in the year 2021. So if you didn't watch Wilson much at BYU, here's a quote about Wilson from PFF's always fantastic 2021 draft guide, courtesy of Mike Renner. Call him a one-year wonder if you must, but Zach Wilson's extent isn't near the same as Joe Burrow's a season ago. Wilson was out here earning an 80.5 overall grade as a true freshman in 2018 while leading a team full of adults at BYU. A shoulder injury and hand injury limited him in 2019 before he lit college football on fire this past fall. Blessed with a snappy right arm, Wilson has thrown passes as far as 65 yards through the air this season against Western Kentucky, to be exact, with little more than a flick. He can not only make all the throws, but he can also make them accurately. And that is, I guess, the big case for Wilson on Overall passing, he had a PF upgrade 95.5. Intermediate throws, 93.9. Deep balls, 99.9. You look at the highlights for this guy, and I mean, they will take a lonely fantasy analyst from 6 to midnight in a hurry, people. Seriously. Ridiculous throws, week in, week out. And then you notice who he's playing against, and that's where things get concerning. Because for Wilson, the one red flag was that he wasn't really forced to deal with pressure all that often. And when he did, he only had a 74.1 grade kept clean. He was at 96.5. Every quarterback is better when they're kept clean versus under pressure. For some weird reason, Justin Herbert actually was better under pressure last year. That is not going to stick. Friendly reminder, NFL 16, now 17 game seasons. Even a full season is not really a large sample size when we have a game as complex with as many players running around as professional football. So look at BYU, they had a great offensive line and they just didn't really play anybody. And I'm going to read the opponents from last year. It's, it's just not good people. There's no way around it. And it is a cause for concern because BYU last year faced Navy, Troy, Louisiana tech, Texas, San Antonio, Houston, Texas state, Western Kentucky, Boise state, North Alabama, coastal Carolina, San Diego state, and central Florida. Obviously the only loss in that schedule was against coastal Carolina. I'm not really going to chastise him for that though. I understand only 240 yards, one touchdown, one interception, but my goodness, even if you just look at the last drive of that game, I mean, Wilson was making NFL throws all over the field. Again, that arm strength stands out pretty much every other drive and I'm not really going to hold that against him. So I guess my bigger issue with Wilson is wondering like, Hey, can this guy actually hold up? Will this like playground style football hold up in the NFL? Cause I know Mahomes was the first one to come out and do this and he can do it, but it's not like we've seen a ton of other quarterbacks, like replicating the type of crazy shit Mahomes is pulling off nearly every single week. Like that's what he looked like at BYU. So I understand why an NFL team would use a number two overall pick to get someone that's making the type of bonkers throws like that Mahomes has become famous for. The question is the competition level. And while Mike wasn't too, worried about how he did during his first two seasons there why was he not a bigger name until his final year at BYU so the one thing I'll say is that thank God he's not entering the same offense that we just saw you know basically ruin Sam Darnold we'll say verdict's still out on that 
we'll say the same offense that was unsuccessful with Sam Donald, because that's all this offense has been. Reigning 32nd ranked scoring offense, never cracked 30 points in 2020, finished with 10 or fewer points in a whopping seven contest. That's going to be a sheesh from me, ladies and mostly gentlemen. I mean, Joe Flacco was objectively better than Sam Darnold in the same offense. Uh, the problem was Joe Flacco was also ranked outside the top 30 uh, statistics and pretty much any single passing metric you want to look at. So they're gone. Adam Gase is gone. That's good. And it's looking good. Otherwise, I mean, last year they finished with, okay. It's looking good relative to last year. Otherwise that's what, that's how I should say it is. Believe me, people, I'm optimistic about the Jets moving forward, but not in 2021. I still think they're going to be a horrendous team this year. So keep that in mind. Last year, they finished with PFF's 29th ranked offensive line. This year, we had them projected to finish 28th. So at best, they're probably going to be somewhere around average. Maybe if they're lucky and take a really big step forward above average, they've actually done a decent job adding high round draft picks to this group free agency. They've been, you know, uh, actually attacking it with some sort of, you know, sense of urgency. So I wouldn't actually be shocked if they can take a larger jump uh, than some of the other teams that, you know, found themselves ranked among the bottom five groups last year, either way, it's, it's hard to, you know, be optimistic about more than an average finish at best. We go to the receivers. Only the Eagles finished 2020 with a lower team receiving grade than the Jets. I mean, Brashad Perryman, someone that I stand a little bit. I do think he's a lot better than people think. He was hurt for portions. So is Denzel Mims. So is Jamison Crowder. Then we have Braxton Berrios. My guy, Chris Herndon, just couldn't give Darnold and Flacco what they needed to consistently succeed. And they did a great job fixing that this year. I mean, adding Corey Davis, even if he's never going to be as good as you would hope a former number five overall pick would be, he was awesome last year. I've come on this podcast before and listened to you guys, the, you know, similarities, almost exact same numbers in PFF receiving grade yards per out run yards after catch per reception yards per reception between 2020 Corey Davis and 2020 Julio Jones. Fully understand Julio's the one uh, shifting coverage. Corey was the one benefiting from that uh, with everyone looking at AJ Brown on the other side of the field. Just realize most efficiency stats last year, Corey Davis was a top 10, if not top five wide receiver. At worst, he's an upgrade to, again, the 31st ranked uh, uh, receiving grade team from 2020. We also have Keelan Cole, who is just like, he'll probably play like 10 years in the league. Even if he has like, you know, over a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns in a year, you know, he'll be like the wide receiver 46 in fantasy the next season. The guy just can't get much respect for continuously being a solid receiver. And right now he's running out there in first team with OTA. So Keelan Cole is going to be involved in this offense. There's a non-zero percent chance. He actually leads the team in targets. I would not bet on that. I think that percentage is far closer to zero than it is to even 10%. Just realize Keelan Cole is going to have a role there. And he's the type of just solid veteran receiver that's going to take uh, snaps away from the guys that we would rather see in fantasy land. We also have electric second round pick Elijah Moore to the group. So it seems like Moore could have a tougher time getting on the field quickly than we thought. He's getting hyped out of OTAs. So, you know, fingers crossed if Jets did the right thing and get him out there. But Jamison Crowder just agreed to a renegotiated deal. And that kind of pisses me off people like Jamison Crowder has been arguably the single best offensive player on the jets over the past two years. He wasn't making more than like 10 million this year. Anyway, then the jets have the third most available cap space. And he made the dude cut his pay in half. Congrats, you know, congrats owners and executives. Like you guys save some money, but you know, you're running an NFL team. At some point, if you want to win, you want to change around your franchise, you got to spend money. I don't think, you know, asking again, arguably your single best offensive player, at least the most productive one over the past years to take this pay cut when it's not like the team needs to like, what are they going to use that extra money for this year? 
maybe the guy trade coming, you know, maybe I'm not thinking something. I, I have never run an NFL team. I'm not trying to call the entire New York jets front office idiots or anything like that. I just think the way they've handled this uh, crowded situation is a little bit confusing. And I do wonder if it could have a future impact on how, uh, you know, these guys want to, whether or not they want to re up with the jets when it comes time to sign a contract, regardless, this receiving room in 2021 sure as hell looks a lot better than it did in 2020. And the final piece of the offense being different is we got new, we got new offensive coordinator, Michael LaFleur, who has spent the better part of the last decade working with Kyle Shanahan, now calling plays instead of Adam Gase. We'll see. You know, I, I, I like being careful about assuming a Shanahan or a McVay disciple is just going to have the exact same offensive success in their new uh, offense. Kind of waiting to see Zach Taylor still resemble Sean McVay, you know, up in, uh, uh, up in um, Cincinnati, excuse me. And it's it's just like, come on, people. Like, we can't just assume Michael Floor is going to have his same level of success. It's, it seems good. Like, I'll take him over Adam Gase any day of the week. I would just really hope that he keeps that, you know, high-rated play action that we've seen, you know, the Shanahan system really uh, just thriving over the years. Because last year, Zach Wilson had the fourth most under center play action dropbacks in the country and here's onto our PFF Lily stat, and he actually had a 90.6 passing grade on them, which ranked fourth. So Zach Wilson, he's in an offense with better receivers, seemingly a better offensive line, hopefully a better scheme because it can't get much worse. Good, good on the Jets for getting him around uh, these improved pieces because, we, again, we saw how two quarterbacks last year in Donald and Flacco just couldn't do anything there. So this leads me to my ranking. Wilson is my QB 24 ahead of guys like Daniel Jones, Big Ben, Derek Carr, Jared Goff, thanks in large part to this unknown surrounding his upside. I am done writing off any rookie quarterback before we see them playing in the preseason and in the regular season. Like, we are always – I'm trying to watch every snap, get every stat, and just formulate the best opinion moving forward, regardless of what my previous one was. Like, we can't fall for the sunk cost fallacy, people. We can't, you know, if you wrote off Zach Wilson before the draft, which, hey, you know, a lot of smart people weren't super high on him. If you were one of those people, maybe you have good reasons for it. If we see him start balling out in the NFL, it's not doing us any good to hold on to our pre-draft notion or idea about him. We need to adjust on the fly, learn who he is as a professional quarterback and make, you know, fancy decisions accordingly. Cause in the past three drafts, we've had Justin Herbert, Daniel Jones, Josh Allen, all ripped apart as soon as they were selected because people thought it was a reach. They didn't believe in them. Yada, yada, yada. And guess what? The verdict is still out on, you know, Jones and really just Jones on being a great real life quarterback. I mean, Herbert, that rookie season, incredible. Obviously Josh Allen, what he did last year, I think all the naysayers are pretty quiet right about now, but with them people like Josh Allen wasn't great until last year, Herbert. Okay. Chargers were incredible. I understand if you don't want to call them a great or tremendous real life quarterback yet, they were great fantasy quarterbacks. You do not need to be a good, you don't need to be a good real life quarterback in order to be a great fantasy quarterback. You know, the 2021 Jalen Hurts story, basically where we're going with that. So I would just say with Wilson, you know, I do think he has the biggest bus factor of these first round QBs because I just question how his game's going to translate to much stiffer competition. With that said, he could. It could. So let's see. He right now is being priced so close to his floor that I have winded up with a decent amount of him in best ball. Again, he's my QB 24. I would take, you know, Kirk Cousins to uh, 
even Sam Darnold and Carson Wentz. I take those guys ahead of Zach Wilson right now, but they're all in that same realistic path to success, but hardly a foolproof investment tier. Zach Wilson, if you can get him in these best ball drafts, like you're feeling good just because you can almost always stack him with at least a couple of his receivers. Unfortunately, with Crowder looking like he's going to be there, we don't quite know the target scheme as much. So, you know, just get Wilson, get Chris Herndon, and uh, call, call it a day. So, Zach Wilson, QB24. I, I think uh, at that price point, he's a good value. We always want to buy players closer to their floor than their ceiling. I think that is where Wilson comes in. I am looking forward to watching him in the preseason and seeing how his game translates to the NFL. People, I hope you enjoy, as always, our PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. If you do, I encourage you to check out PFS Podcast Network, which covers everything NFL, college, and fantasy football. You can recap the NFL draft with Mike Renner and Austin Gale's two-for-one draft podcast, or get all 2021 betting content you need with the PFF forecast. And also, if you like fantasy football and you feel like playing fantasy for money, you need to check out Underdog Fantasy. Underdog's got everything, including season-long and playoff best ball. Best ball is a season-long game where you draft a team like you normally do, but that's it. There's no in-season roster management. Underdog automatically selects your best performers each week, saving you loads of time. Go to Underdog Fantasy and deposit $10 using promo code PFF and get a free PFF Edge annual subscription. That's promo code PFF. Draft now at Underdog Fantasy. Quick note, everyone. I'm going to start you know, just barking about some nonsense at the end of these episodes. I have a few other interests or at least thoughts in the non-football world. I don't want to spam you with them in the intro. I think it's the most annoying thing about fantasy football podcasts. You're here to learn about fantasy. I want to talk fantasy, but I might jabber at the end. And if you don't want to hear me, you can turn it off. You already heard what you wanted to hear. So with that said, people, I encourage all of you to optimize your second TV better in real life. And if you say, Ian, I don't have a second TV in my setup, that's your first problem. So what you want to do to just, you know, completely master, I guess, being a fantasy football diehard, you know, I don't want to say loser, a winner in real life, maybe some, you know, the quote unquote guys going to bars will call you a loser, but we want our main screen. And on the side of that, you want a significantly smaller, but still a solid screen. We'll say 30 inches. So I got 50 main 30 small. And from there, people, you can use that side TV for baseball for, you know, the beta sports that you never want to actually put all your attention into baseball, maybe an NBA playoff game or something like that. You have it on, you kind of know what's happening, but it's not your sole focus. That's one option. The other option is constant NFL football highlights. You can go on YouTube, type in 2020, every single NFL touchdown. It's a three hour video that you can just have rolling through, keep that mind working, keep it refreshed. Obviously plenty of other highlights throughout games, throughout NFL game pass can lots of options there and let's say you know maybe you have a lady friend over maybe you're a lady and you have a guy friend over fireplace digital fireplace people go to youtube put that fireplace on put it on the side tv i swear you know even if the thermostat is lying five degrees extra temperature all for zero cost or just whatever the electricity is for that small tv so just wanted to get that off my chest and i hope you all do a better job optimizing your second tv in the future thank you as always for tuning in the pff fantasy football podcast new episodes every single day also have uh, andrew erickson and myself with our usual wednesday breakdowns and 10 questions with nfl players whenever i can get in we have mike davis on monday t higgins in the past deandre swift as well hoping to grow the group so thank you as always for tuning in until next time take care everybody 